Hey there, and welcome to Silo Busting, an EPAM Continuum podcast. I'm your host, Macy Donaway. If you're like me, you're probably home and have been for a very, very, very long time. You might be listening to us while scrubbing your millionth dish, or you've tuned in over breakfast while your kids and significant other are gabbing away. Or maybe you're out of the house, walking on sunshine, earbuds humming with silo busting. I don't have to tell you that our lives today are different. Our homes have become offices, schoolrooms, and or daycares. Our days are different. Our worries are different. Our work is different. How do we keep some sense of normal as we move about in an atmosphere of coronavirus-infused uncertainty? How do we keep teams motivated and focused even if the hours of their work may have shifted? And how do we harness the magic of in-person conversations when colleagues are located cities, states, and countries apart? In today's conversation, Albert Reese, SVP and Head of Business Consulting, and Chris Mashad, VP, Head of our Innovation Practice, discuss how EPAM has been long remote by design. Listen and learn how EPAM, an organization of over 30,000 people globally, was able to get 98% of our workforce up and running remotely in the first three days of offices being closed. More than that, not only did we continue to provide value to clients designing and engineering the future, we did so in a way that ensured the protection of our companies and our clients' data and information. The guys also shared their predictions for what this unprecedented time may mean for businesses and individuals as we slowly make our way out of isolation, and what they think may change permanently in terms of technology adoption and digital transformation. So listen, forget about that millionth dish and enjoy. So Albert, thanks for making the time to connect. It's always a good to talk with you. Um, you as well. Thanks. So today uh, we're in different cities uh, working from home as, uh, as most people are these days. And I guess the first thing that's front of mind for me is uh, how do you think this, this whole work from home thing is going, this remote by design? Um, my impression is it's going pretty darn well here at EPAM, but I'd love to hear your point of view. Yeah, it is. You know, it's it's fun. I think you probably had it too, and uh, I don't think our clients are immune to it either. The uh, sudden introduction of at-home background noise, and I've heard heard everything. You know, the dog barking is a fairly common one. When you get the video going, you got the cats crawling across the screens. Uh, we've heard the, the baby screaming, the toilet flushing. You know, aside from that, uh, you know, um, we like to advertise. I think we did advertise. 98 point something percent up and running within three days, you know, from home within three days of sending everyone home and getting them out of the offices. You know, that's pretty, that's a pretty amazing stat. And it's more than just that, right? It's, it really gets into uh, not, can we just, not that we're just able to work from home, but we're able to work from home in a secure fashion, whereby we're not just protecting our data and information. We're also able to protect our clients' data and information. And that is something I, I believe is best in class in the industry, which is really cool. Um, remote from de design, the, the term, it's funny, it's, it's, a, it's a nice marketing term for something we've probably been able to do ourselves for quite a long time now. 
a nice uh, label we put on it, I think, helps us take it to market and, and share with our clients what we're doing, how we're doing it, and how we can help them do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. It's um, I, I think it's also been good that EPAM's been pushing uh, EPAM anywhere, and really we're already building a lot of the infrastructure that's enabled us to to work as seamlessly as we have. So I, I think that's been a big advantage for us. At the same token, though, we have to recognize that we're you know it's not just EPAM working from home and working remotely. It's it's really the entire world right now to a, to a large extent. Yeah, and all of our clients. Um, how how are you finding that interacting with clients right now? Uh, it's pretty well, honestly. You know, it, it, the the conversation is different depending on the client you're speaking with, and you know they're all facing different challenges, what they're trying to do, what they're worried about in their businesses, how we can help them. It just varies, and so. The conversations, at least the ability to have the conversation with the client is fairly free flowing. The things that our clients are worried about, depending on what level you're talking to and who you're talking to varies. I think we saw early on, you know, fairly good productivity. Most of our clients are saying, yeah, we think we think our people are being productive working from home and working remotely. And then all of a sudden you start to hear concerns about, well, maybe they're not as productive as we thought they were. And then as time is going on, we're hearing more and more about productivity deteriorating or the belief that productivity is deteriorating and, and what can we do and how are we doing these things? And this is where, it's, it's funny, we've talked to a few organizations now around uh, EPAM Anywhere and what we're doing and how we're doing crowdsourcing and able to, to monitor the productivity of people uh, when they're doing uh, development, for example, in a crowdsourced fashion. And what's interesting, you know, with technology now, we can get into, it's funny, I did describe this to an analyst uh, earlier this week, uh, that, you know, we kind of get into Creepyville here pretty quickly that we can, you know, with, with cameras on and with monitoring keystrokes, we can pretty much know what people are doing at all times. We want, you know, we can see through cameras where their eyes are, are they on the screens, or are they somewhere else? We know when they're sitting at their desks, we know what applications they're accessing. And most of our clients, frankly, don't want to go, even though they recognize there's productivity issues, they don't want to go to that level of monitoring of their employees. And I think it's, you know, it's counterculture for whatever reason, it, it gets to a, a spot where they're just not comfortable. So yes, we can do that. And, and what I try to explain to clients is, you know, look, if you're looking for those types of, of, of help, you know, those things being introduced uh, and you know, it can be a spectrum, right, from what you're doing today, which is probably very little to no monitoring, all the way up to creepiness, as, you know, as I like to put it, and, and pick in between there, you know, what works. And it may not be the same solution for everybody in the organization. It may vary based on workforce. It could vary based on the type of role they have. And so, you know, you can ratchet up or ratchet down based on, on what you're trying to monitor. Um, and I think, again, there's, there's a lot of things we can do there. On that side, but most of, most of our clients, I think, still are in the mode of, you know, what what is needed in our business? How do we operate our business? What are the core capabilities we have out there? Those types of things, and, and then cash, I think, is becoming a really big concern too for a lot of our clients. It is. It is. I'm I'm curious. On I want to just go a little bit deeper. One of the things you mentioned, uh, you talked about some of our clients are have the perception that productivity is declining. Do you have a Do you have a thought why there's that perception or potentially reality? No, well, certainly I can speculate, right? I don't, I don't have any data to support it. 
but you, I think you, you know, imagine yourself, imagine myself now having been, I think I'm at the six week mark here, Chris. Um, you know, the first week or two, first of all, a lot of energy around the pandemic and a lot of conversations around the pandemic, uh, a lot of what I call navel gazing, looking inward in the business to see what's going on with our businesses and before we can even start reaching out and how are we going to reach out to clients, et cetera. So a lot of energy around, you know, around what's going on. So therefore a lot of focus on it um, and, and, and dialogue around it. So we're all, we're all very busy and, you know, home understands that, yeah, we still have jobs. Uh, we still have to keep working effectively. And then as time goes on and, and more things happen and, and more, you know, the states start to put more regulations around what we can and can't do. Um, you know, home that might have been going out for a few hours a day when this first started is now also at home all the time. And I think there's more distractions being introduced, um, maybe even more expectations around the house as to what you're you're doing with any any little bit of idle time you get. So any any number of things could be coming into play here. I'm, I'm interested. You know, what are you seeing? Yeah. It's, um... It's interesting to me because I've seen I've seen a couple of different pieces across the spectrum uh, data points. I, I've seen uh, sixteen plus hour days where because work's at home, it's never away. So I, I've seen people at just at a full out um, sprint every single day, day after day after day. Uh, but I also have seen some people, you know, having some challenges being productive during the day, um, depending on their, their, a lot of times, depending on the family situation, right? So if you've got some yeah. younger kids in the home and you're now responsible for, you know, caring and educating, you know, four-year-olds, six-year-olds, whatever that age, that younger age is, um, I see people working split shifts, right? So I, I know some families that um, Moms and dads are working uh, split shifts, you know, different hours of the day, and it, what it results is those days turn into really long days for those families where where people are working late into the evenings. Yeah. Um, so I think I've I've kind of feel like I've seen it on both ends of the spectrum. I've seen some people pick up some productivity time, not having to fight the commute any longer, and you, know, you don't waste time walking to your next your next meeting anymore. You just you know click a different button. Um, to the other extreme where I've seen people's lives really disrupted um, and having to split split their days between balancing home and balancing work. So I, it'd be really, I'm not sure if we'll get it during this time, but it would really be fascinating to know what the overall productivity uh, lift or hit is. So that's, it's interesting. So you, and I, and I do agree with you. So staying, you know, not having to deal with a commute uh, and any, and of course, any anything that would happen around the commute that would even make you less productive. Um, and even some of the distractions that might occur in the workplace, there is a productivity lift. How could we take advantage of that, you think, Chris, going forward? Yeah, going forward, it's such, a, such an important um, context to think about right now. So I think going forward, uh, I'll step back from that, that question a little bit or step up from it a little bit and then come back. Um, I, I think what, what we're in right now is um, extremes, right? So we've been driven into extreme isolation um, within our lives that we, we really, none of us have ever had this level of, of separation socially and um, productively. We also are more extremely digitally connected than we ever have been. Um, 
the adoption rate of digital tools has to uh, be at an all-time high for the world. I, I think anybody who was a, a laggard um, or maybe just not all that comfortable with technology has been pretty much forced, um, required to lean in. And we're in it going to be in it long enough that it's, it's going to become a bigger part of who we are uh, going forward. So going forward, I'm, I'm seeing a shift in how we work. I'm seeing a shift in how we live. Um, and I'm seeing that the extreme digital lives that we're living right now, we're not going to stay there, but we're certainly not going to go back to where it was. Uh, we're going to be much more reliant on technology to keep us connected, connected to work, connected to loved ones, um, connected to the things that we need, the, the products and services. So the digital transformation that's been underway here for quite a while just got turbo, a turbo boost to it. And um, the organizations that can map their businesses to that uh, most quickly are going to do I think very well coming out of this, and those that can't um, might not make the turn, and and so that's the big thing I'm talking with some of our clients about right now is if previous to this moment in time, you know, 10% of your revenue or 20% of your revenue was through digital channels, like what's the future look like where 50, 60, 70% of it needs to be through digital? Um, if you have a, a a service and experience that's highly dependent on a physical place. How do you pivot um, to be able to still provide the fundamental value that you've been providing to your to your consumers, but provide it in a more digital uh, fashion? And I'm not saying that physical venues are going to disappear and physical retail is going to completely disappear. I think the balance and the mix is going to shift. I do have an entertaining story I can share with you, but not quite at this point because you're going down a path which I think is really interesting. Um, and it's something that I'm I'm starting to have conversations with clients as well. You know, you you specifically, but the I think the former Continuum Group, you know, always focused on um, the fastest way to the future, and, and knowing knowing where you're going actually is is the way to do that. Are you finding that a lot of your clients or a lot of organizations right now know where they're going, and are are even thinking through some of these things right now? Or are they more still focused on today? It's a mixed bag, Albert. Um, we, we've got some clients that I've been um, humbled by how clairvoyant they are about how this, this shift is affecting their business and what they need to accelerate uh, in order to catch this, this shift and catch this wave of transformation. I'll share a couple examples. Um, we have a few clients in um, the medical space in particular that they're seeing the shift in the need for better remote care. Um, and that it's across the spectrum from remote care of the need to accelerate the development of devices that can um, collect the right data in a home setting to the need to accelerate uh, the patient provider relationship in the home setting as well. Bringing, bringing healthcare to the home um, has been something we've talked a lot about for, for more than a decade now, and it's getting an, an accelerant. And that's where I see a lot of organizations really digging in and really recognizing that this is, the, this is where the future is. Let's get there. On the flip side, we have some other clients that are really wed to um, 
what I'll, what I'll call kind of legacy business models or um, more traditional retail distribution channels. And um, there's a fear. There's a there's almost a, a, a frozenness to it of how do we say continue to connect with our consumers? We're we're really not well structured to be direct to consumer. Um, we're we're highly reliant on our physical stores uh, or physical channels to be able to get distribution. And some of the, some of those clients, uh, they're using that as a crisis to motivate change, and and they're being very aggressive on DTC um, business models, on using physical retail as physical distribution, um, and and thinking differently about their channels. I see others, you know, candidly, um, a little gummed gummed up about it, and it's understandable at some level, but at the same token, that old adage, you know, never waste a crisis. Um, yeah can't we can't right. waste this moment yeah never let a never let a good crisis go to waste right that's right yeah, yeah. that's probably a nicer way to say that <laughs> interesting you brought up an interesting point and it on the healthcare side it's funny i i had just quite coincidentally um i had to I've been trying to track down my general practitioner for a couple of days now he finally reached out had a facetime call with my general practitioner this morning now, what I'm what I'm waiting for now is to see if the bill comes through, and and whether that, whether that will be called an office visit or something like that, of the same effect, and how that will get billed through. But interestingly enough, they you know they are adopting. I think a lot of organizations are. The funny story I was going to share with you, um, I get tennis shoes from I don't know some some guy who's he's created his own, he's designed his own tennis shoes and all. I think he's fairly prevalent now, a couple places in New Jersey and in Connecticut um, and some of the malls here as well. Of course, the malls are shut down. And I would say he probably sees himself as a small business because you know he's not Nike, he's not Adidas, he's not Puma, et cetera. And you get the constant emails. And of course, now they're doing the sales. So yeah, sure. I clicked on the site thinking, how is this going to go? Because this guy, uh, you know, very much a brick and mortar would have to be because you know, he, again, small business and pushing his product out through the small business. So I ordered a pair of tennis shoes on sale, mind you, and I got the, you know, the message saying they're going to be delivered, which you would, you would really, you know, I guess you would anticipate you're going to see UPS come, you know, get the, and see the brown truck pull up across from your house. Uh, no, that's not what happened. I get a text on my phone and from I remember her name and maybe Amanda from the store just letting me know that my uh, tennis shoes have been delivered so I'll go to the front door open the door and there's a bag it's a shopping bag with a box of shoes um, in the box that you would pick up in the store sitting on my stoop hmm. you know that's that is pretty pretty clever you know clearly they were they're not looking to uh, to introduce um, small package delivery anything like that to get their product there they still want that high touch that same feel you would have as if you were going into the store, even though you order digitally. So again, another another way of, of serving a customer in, in a more intimate way than having a UPS driver pull up to the house, which I thought was pretty cool. And, and again, I, and very, very different. I think it's a great example. One of the conversations we've been having with the, with the client recently is like the redefinition of, of high touch service. And yeah. uh, in a world where you know we're not even allowed to touch our own, our own faces or, you know, like we need all this social distancing, like what does high touch look like? So I think it's a, it's a rather nice example of a, of a small business being inventful 
and and responding to the moment and still retaining high high touch or redefining high touch yeah. high service there's two examples for you gp calling on your know, facetiming you know, for a call and then uh, and then the store bringing it in in one of their bags and dropping it off in your front door so, you know, again right. really, really interesting ways of operating so albert within all this context of how things are evolving and shifting and um and the reality that there's going to be a new norm we're, we're living in a uh a transient moment, but there's going to be a new norm on the other side of this. What are, what are some of the, the really interesting things you're doing to, to help our clients? Yeah, you know, first off, we're, we're trying to understand where they are and, and what needs they have from a company like EPAM. You know, I think there's some concern. It's interesting, you know, it, it, we, are, we are a humble company in a lot of ways. And the first concern is, well, we start making phone calls now and start pushing the agenda. You know, our clients are going to feel like we're taking advantage of them, of the situation, and those those sort of things. And my reaction to that is is pretty opposite, honestly. We I think we've got a lot of clients who have found themselves in a predicament they don't know how to manage themselves out of. Uh, yeah, sure, there's the cash flow um, issues, but you know most of them have figured out. Okay, we've we've lived through digital disruption to some extent. We've seen you know the big disruptors come into our industry. We figured out how to send those off, and now all of a sudden they're being disrupted again. And it was something that was completely unanticipated, and so they're they're stuck again, and and they need help. So to me, it's it's not about selling necessarily. It's about finding clients who are looking for support and help, and and EPAM is the kind of company that can help them out of whatever crisis it is they're facing. So you know a few things that are coming to mind. One is the here and now. Um, you know, we, we were approached by a few clients. We, we had one uh, that I spoke with. It was the, oh, no, I can't run payroll. And, you know, that's certainly not something that, that EPAM can help do. And, you know, and a lot of it's the results of, you know, some of the Indian providers, you know, when they send their people away from their offices, they just don't have the infrastructure, you know, in and around the, their, their towns, their villages, et cetera, that allow them to operate effectively when they're not sitting in their centers. And so some of the BPO services, you know, are just shut down. The SLAs are broken and, and they're completely stopped. And so things like payroll, you know, is that something we can help a client with? No. Um, if a client, however, you know, there's app management, infrastructure management, those types of things, you know, those from a here and now perspective are certainly things we can help clients uh, with right now. And of course, it may be a short-term kind of thing because I, I believe unwinding a lot of these long-term contracts is extremely difficult to do and will become you know, somewhat litigious, not, not for us necessarily, but for our clients and whoever's providing the service, but certainly a way we can help immediately uh, you know, in, in somewhat limited cases. Then there is the longer-term view, and I think you alluded to this earlier in the conversation, you know, what is what is the new normal going to look like? And, and I, I start referring to it as business as usual in unusual times. You know, what does it look like coming out of this? And and I don't I don't want to get a crystal ball up necessarily, but I think we can start thinking about look, not knowing what our clients' needs are and what they want to do. And I think this really gets back to really being able to define that destination uh, and then and then backcasting from there like you guys like to do. You know, we, we've got to come in very open-minded to say, you know, what are the core services that you couldn't provide during this time that you need to be able to provide? What amount of work do you want to be able to uh, do remotely in your business going forward? Because you probably recognize that a lot of things can get done in that fashion. And it's a, it's a better model for you. And it's a better model for your employees. Great. 
let's figure out how to help you do that effectively and safely um, and, and safe from, from a data and information security perspective. You know, and, and then of course, um, productively as well, being able to ensure that employees are being as productive. And my, my guess is if we do that well, you know, we're not looking at hours a day sitting behind the computer. We're, you know, we're focused on outcomes and, and deliverables and clear things that are moving the business forward as opposed to where you're sitting at your desk for eight hours that day. Um, beyond that, you know, I started thinking through some models and methods around how we can support, you know, what new capabilities or improved capabilities should we be talking and thinking about? So what things could they not do that are core to their business, you know, as a result of COVID and, and people working remotely and, and their BPO providers shutting down potentially and, and things along those lines. So if we think forward and start to define um, or think about the core capabilities our clients have and we break those into traditional three buckets of people or organization, processes, and then technology as well. You know, what needs to change to ensure continuity of services going forward? And so we can think about their current workforce and say, okay, what portion of your current workforce will now be effective and able to work remotely forevermore, or, or at least start thinking in those kind of terms? Um, where do you need or can you benefit from third parties who have demonstrated the ability to perform or maintain stability and continuity during these periods of time? And then where should we be thinking about technology, um, digital solutions, either from an automation perspective or from, I think, some of the digital solutions you were talking about earlier, those perspectives, where can we introduce those to ensure our core capabilities and how we interact with customers are intact should something like this ever happen again or, or even something similar to this happening in the future and then start enabling. So there's a lot of things we can do uh, to, to, I guess, plan for the new normal. And then even beyond that, you know, you have to think about if you're sitting on a board of directors, for example, of a publicly traded company, you know, you're pretty concerned right now about the next time something like this happens. So we may, we may see organizations returning to some sense of new normal to be some amount of people going back to their offices, some number of BPO providers who didn't do such a great job through this, but are promising you know, recovery plans going forward. They're gonna put that in place. But if you're sitting on the board, you're gonna sit there and say, that's not good enough. We still need continuity plans behind this, BCPs that are gonna enable us to operate if this were to happen again, given, given the way you've now restructured your businesses. And I think that provides an additional layer of opportunities for us to go in and help clients think through what could happen and how well prepared are you uh, to address these situations should they occur. That's some great thinking. The only thing I would I would add on to that, the only thing I could probably uh, add to that is I'm really fascinated. Like, you know, again, I, not none of us have a crystal ball, but what we are experiencing right now is some sacred cows, some some, some yeah. um, fundamentals that just everyone believed were core to core truths to their business have been slaughtered. They've just been killed by this this pandemic. And a, yeah. you know, example of that, like um, you know, education. Most of education happens in person, and for good reason. Um, physical space. Even organizations that were at the leading forefront of trying to move education more digital, more online. You know, lab environments, lab chemistry lab, like you have to do that in school. But when you can't, it forces innovation. It forces a shift. Um, primary care physicians, you know, today or prior prior to this event, you had to go see your primary care physician in person. It was mm -hmm. just what you did. And now that we can't, 
or it's not the we know it's not the right thing to do in the current environment um it forces us to realize that there are other ways to get care and get access um and those different those new ways require new solutions new tools um i just i think that this is going to be really fascinating to to look at the things that got challenged um turned on their head and and shown that um what you believe to be an absolute is was no longer an absolute during this time. How do you pivot and evolve? Because um, if you just fall back to normal, I, I think one portion of this of our society is not going to be ready to go back to normal for at least a while. And two, I, I still fundamentally believe we're going to see a, a behavior shift overall more towards digital, um, more towards what we've been calling a homebody economy of some sort. Yeah, I, you know, I agree. It's on the education front, it's funny, you know, one of my arguments for, you know, the school presence and, and never homeschooling a child is that social interaction. But if you go into a school and you watch kids today, you know, they're on their phones the entire time. And then they get home, they're on their phones the entire time. So they've, they've already, that whole social interaction that, you know, some old guys like me experienced uh, growing up as a kid, that, you know, that doesn't happen the same way anyway. And, and I think what we've we've all been guilty of is applying what we knew and the things that we valued, you know, earlier in our lives onto this, these new generations that aren't nearly as dependent on these things, nor will they ever be. Uh, so it's re it's really interesting. The one thing, and it's it's funny, I'm really off topic here, but I did start to wonder, you know, one of the big big things we've seen going on, um, you know, with with this new generation, uh, you know, and particularly in the, in the school systems, is the whole notion around bullying. And I have to wonder if this is going to really ratchet back. You know, I'm sure I'm sure they'll figure out better ways to do it. But you know, the kid, you know, clearly a lot of the bullying happens over digital forms and fashion, but it, it doesn't start there, right? It typically starts um, in in a school environment and then escalates from there. So I'll be interested to see if we see uh, less less bullying going on in conversations around bullying than we saw uh, prior to. And again, it would be <laughs> Very good argument to keep things, you know, working in this in this in a in a different way than it had been working up to this point. Trying to force fit our old norms and old ways of doing things onto uh, the way we do things today. It's gonna be an interesting future. Uh, yeah. Albert, thank you for your time as always. Um, great, yeah, great, great perspective. Thanks to Albert and Chris for a scintillating conversation, and for those who are on the front lines either in healthcare positions or serving those in our communities in necessary ways, we also say thank you. We know these roles don't allow you the ability to stay home and put you the most at risk. And for your sacrifice, we're truly grateful. This has been Silo Busting, a podcast from EPAM Continuum. EPAM Continuum integrates business, experience, and technology consulting focused on accelerating breakthrough ideas into meaningful impact. Why do we do this? Because real opportunities aren't siloed.